Ah, Lord, thank you for your presence here. We welcome the kabod, the weightiness of glory. Lord, that you would trans, uh, transition us from glory to glory. Lord, more, more of you, more of your fire in our midst. We say yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, say yes, just like they were saying. Say yes. We say yes, Lord, to whatever it is. Yes, to your leadership. Yes, to your will and your way. As a matter of fact, during worship, I, I felt like there are people here that things in your job are, are, there's some difficulties right now, or even those that don't have a job, or you're struggling right now, could you just stand up for a moment? We want to pray for you, because I feel like God is about to touch people in the workplace. Just stand, either you need a job, or you're going through some difficulties in your job. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your fire in the name of Jesus, that you are doing something supernatural that you are about to intervene, even with the favor of God. Lord, we thank you for the highlighting of the favor of God. And even where there's been injustice, we thank you, Lord, for helping us to keep our hearts right. You know, the Lord just is saying, pass the test, pass the test, see what I will do. So Lord, pour out your grace right now. And for those that are wanting jobs and need a job, thank you, God. We call in jobs and better jobs. Father, incredible uh, uh, ability to operate within your gifting, your gifting and your desire in this job. So pour it out. And I, and I don't know if you remember the second um, Sunday of January that Erica James from this pulpit prophesied, and she ended saying this, and there's going to be a number of people moving this year. And so, Father, I, I do believe there's going to be more, even if it's a, a different house or different property or moving, but Lord, we just want to listen to the Spirit. So we thank you, God, on that chessboard that's your divine chessboard. You are shifting players into proper positioning. Thank you, thank you. One other quick thing, you know, this morning, early service, a um, husband and wife couple both got healing in their lower back. Both of them had legs grow out. So if you have lower back problem, could you just stand up? I believe God wants to heal aching backs and sciatica, sciatic pain and back problems. And just lay your hands on that or somebody nearby, this person, just lay your hands on their back. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing is the children's bread. Fire of God comes right now. Pinching of nerves and sciatic pain leaves through the power of the blood of Jesus and lower back or back pain goes. The one lady had arthritis and arthritis goes too. She was healed this morning. Father, thank you for your fire. Do it again and do it more, Lord. Miracles, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we receive that. We receive the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Woo, somebody say amen. Thank you, Lord. Yay. Thank you so much for uh, your presence, Lord. You know, I have a message to share, but first I just, a, a prophetic sense from Haggai 2, 6 to 9. I think it's a, a, a key scripture in this season. It's a good one to read. And the components of that are really where the Lord says that yet once more he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. 
And we've been seeing shakings on planet Earth. I don't think it's over. I think there's more to come. The birth pangs that the Earth is going to enter into until the time of Jesus' return is upon us. But it goes on there to say that they may come to the desire of all nations. Who is the desire of all nations? That is Jesus. There is an awakening, awakening coming after the shaking. And there's already pockets of it. Even Meryl, I think Meryl's here this morning. And David, she was in Louisiana, just said revival is brewing in Louisiana. Saw that in Dallas, saw it in other parts, that God is moving. Don't get caught up in all the bad news. God is up to something amazing. So we're not going to get sidetracked by bad news. We want God news. And people are coming to the desire of all nations. It goes on to say, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. God is about to cause finances to come into the kingdom of God like we've never seen before. Trust in him. You know, a shift and a blessing and a financial blessing, even Christian businesses. I bless Christian businessmen and businesswomen here today. Watch what the Lord does. Stay faithful, stay true. But there's going to be a surgence, a resurgence in your business. And we say yes. And it goes on uh, to talk about the glory of the latter house should be greater than the former, which really means we are headed to a worldwide revival and outpouring of glory what we've never seen before. Greater than Azusa and Hebrides and, and even the early church in Pentecost. Come on, what we are about to see, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And, and it's, it's true. These are, this is promises of God. And then it says this, and in that place I shall give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And we just speak blessing of peace to his people. I like this quote by A.W. Tozer where he said, outside the will of God, there is nothing I want. And inside the will of God, there is nothing I fear. So Lord, we just say our eyes are on you. You are removing every kind of fear. You know, church, it really is a a great time to draw closer still, draw near, tuck in under the wings of the Almighty. And what does that look like? I I do believe that their Lord is, is causing us to, you know, see that there's temporal things in this life, temporal pleasures or temporal things that just really at the end of the day don't matter. And it's causing us to major on the majors and minor on the minors. I have a friend uh, whose mom, mother-in-law actually was on her deathbed of COVID and uh, where she literally, they say, come in, say goodbyes, you know, they, they, so that all the family came, said goodbye. And there was a lot of prayer going on. Well, her mother-in-law just all of a sudden woke up and is completely lucid, completely healed. Everybody's shocked. And, uh, you know, I, as a nurse, I remember I used to be a registered nurse working a lot of different components of nursing, but see so many people right as they're about to go into the afterlife. And sometimes that veil lifts, but I tell you, there was such an element there being their nurse of where there was no regrets regarding what really mattered, like in terms of love or in terms of family. And But there were a lot of regrets. I saw people regret, you know, that fractured relationship with their son or their daughter or that they had spent so much time pursuing a career but 
didn't really have a heart full of, of grace and peace and love. And so I don't know, I just feel like the Lord's saying it's time that he's doing reset. There's a reset, reset, reset. So we just say yes, Lord, for this reset. Somebody asked me, they said, what do you think is uh, one of the main lessons the Lord's teaching the church, the body of Christ? And in one word, I said it this way, I believe it's depth, that God is taking us into depth, greater depth in the word, greater depth with him, greater depth in our love, just greater depth, greater depth in our, in our marriages, in our families. He's really touching families and saying, I want to heal. I want to remove anything that's not of, you, of, of me. So January, February last year, I was zipping all over the place and almost, uh, almost every weekend in a different place. When COVID hit, I remember everything coming to a screeching halt, including all these trips or, you know, flights and thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Whoa, 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 whoa. It was really unsettling for about a week. And then I felt the peace of God. It, is he just reminded me when I was saying at times, you know, if I had more time, I'd just dig deeper into that book in the Bible. I, if I had more time, I'd spend more time with God. If I had more time, I'd do this and this and this. And the Lord just reminded me, he said, well, guess what? I'm giving you more time. And so it, it began this journey of learning. And I want to just teach a few lessons that I learned that I actually believe the Lord is trying to get all of our attention in something here that I wish I knew 30 years ago, to be honest. And it has to do with really the Sabbath rest and, and the whole thing of rest. Actually, I had all these prophetic words back in 2019 about rest, rest. And I'm like, well, whatever, Lord, whatever that means. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. Um, so what needs to change? That's what I discovered. What needs to change in our lives? Michael Berger quotes this. He says that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. So what is there that God is changing so that we can grow into greater depth, into greater relationship, to draw near? Is there something where we may have been looking at the wrong matrices, like at the wrong parameters? Is it that God's really after bigger, better, more, more, more accumulation, more stuff, more, more numbers, more? Or is he after the heart? Where he's like, I'm after your heart. I'm after more of you than I am after more of your work or your service or your stuff or whatever. Um, there was a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. He's a theologian, by the way. He's, he was asked that he, by somebody, they said, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? And he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. There's a brilliant book by the name of uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer that I do recommend, it's becoming a bestseller that everyone reads. And by the way, before COVID, I felt compelled to read this book called Take the Day Off by uh, Robert Morris, who is a pastor from Dallas. And I thought that was brilliant as well. And, and I just kind of feel like we're starting to get this message more, this message that God is saying that it's time that we back up from go, 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 be, 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 do, 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 in a hurry and in this, you know, this space of life and come back into rest. Because even Hebrews 4 talks about, you know, strive to enter rest. And if you study that, because I studied that, oh, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem like a paradox. 
But Hebrews 3 talks about when they were at the waters of Meribah. And I woke up one time with a dream. And the Lord spoke to me. And I'm coming out of this dream. And he says, uh, uh, do, not, what was it, do not test me like at the waters of Meribah. And I'm like, what? And I go back into the scriptures about the waters of Meribah. Do you remember that? Where Moses at that point didn't um, speak to the rock when God said speak. But he what? He struck the rock. And you know, it's there, it, it was that the people didn't have faith. That they were coming out of Egypt and they complained about water. They complained again. And it was this element where the Lord says, faith is actually equated with rest. When we really have faith in God, then we enter into a rhythm of rest where we trust that he is going to cause things to come to be. We don't stop doing our part but we trust him to do his part. So let's, let's look at this. Let's unpack this. Because Corrie ten Boom, I love her. She's like one of my heroes. And she said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because sin and busy both do the same thing. They disconnect us from God and they disconnect us from one another and even from our own soul. And to walk with Jesus is to walk in a slow, unhurried pace because hurry is the depth, death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our worth. It's not consistent with love. Wow. You know, here in, in, the, in the South, I do find that, uh, you know, there tends to be maybe a little bit more of a slower rhythm. But I've been, you know, in some of the big cities, how many of you know that sometimes it can be like this, like this swirl of activity, this swirl maybe in your workplace and there's something about stepping out of the swirl of the rat race and stepping into the rhythm of God's grace. The rhythm of his pace. This rhythm of peace. In 2007, the earth was introduced to the iPhone. And then came, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and we've already had the internet, Instagram, text messages, whatever. Do you know that a recent study found that the average iPhone user touches their iPhone 2,617 times a day. And for millennials, it's double that. That's touching the phone. And then it also studies that show that a lot of internet use actually decreases our IQ and even decreases, definitely decreases concentration and contemplation. And our uh, attention span in 2000 was on average 12 seconds. It's now eight seconds and decreasing each year. There's something about this pace of life that has only been heating up and speeding up. You know, whistleblowers in Silicon Valley, and there is a, a really decent documentary called The Social Dilemma that is good to watch. But these whistleblowers, they said this, everything is intentionally done on social media, on your phone, on your computer, that is called the attention economy. The attention economy means that there is designs within your, within this social media, phone, whatever, iPhone, to distract. It's causing you, if you're working on something or you're doing something, ding, bling, whatever, flashing. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting you to know I'm preaching to myself as well. Uh, and, and this whole attention economy is so that if they get your attention, then advertisements are going to be fed through your eyeballs, and that is what pays. 
So there's a whole, you know, this, this, this is intentional. I remember just buying something for my son recently for his birthday coming up, and it's, uh, it's from Sweden, some company in Sweden. On my computer, but on my phone, there is an advertisement on Instagram for this very company. I'm like, how did they know that I was, you know, it's like, woo, 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 come on, it's, it's true. It, there's algorithms, there's, there's a watching, there's a, a feeding you the very thing that they know that will compel you to not only get into compulsion, compulsively going after that phone, but also full-blown addiction. And here's some signs of full-blown addiction. Checking your phone before you go pee in the morning. There's a sign. Full-blown addiction. And here, I, for believers, it would say is to turn, like, to not turn on your phone until after you've had your time with God. It was Bobby Connor, a prophet, who said something that really got me. He said that the Lord spoke to him one day and said, Bobby, I really dislike multitasking. That's what God said. Dislike it when people are trying to spend time with me, but their phone or whatever, or this or that. You know, quiet. That's why Jesus even modeled getting up early in the morning. David said it, Psalm 63, morning by morning, I will seek you, Lord. When it's quiet, when it's still, there is something here. You know, I, I, we were just in Barnes & Noble with, uh, with your daughter, the, uh, Sarah, and our daughter. And, you know, Barnes & Noble uh, has, it was incredible how many books I saw on mindfulness. And many of it, you know, wasn't necessarily, I don't think, good. Like some of it is the, the Eastern mindfulness. But there's something to, to this slow down, you know, enjoy life, get into a pace. There's so much anxiety right now in the world. There's so much, I've quoted this before, but did you know that Max Lucado says that the average child today has the same level of anxiety as the 1950s psychiatric patient? What? It's true that there is an epidemic in society of anxiety. Do you know that there are more anxiety medications doled out right now, actually in, in this country, than there has, there, in any other country per capita, and more than there's ever been in history? Anti-anxiety, antidepressants. Is there a connection? Come on, somebody. Is there a connection? Where we came from this agricultural society years ago and a slowness of the pace, but yet it's been heating up and there's been this desire, you know, accumulation, accumulation, or, or, or what's, what's the parameters? Is it wealth? Is it the house you got? Or here's the big one, your own Wikipedia page. Wow, you've really arrived if you got your own Wikipedia page. But there's something I believe that God is trying to get through to us. Listen to this one. It's called The Demise of Guys. Uh, Philip Zimbardo talks about the average guy today spends 10,000 hours playing video games by the age of 21. The average guy. I remember being in a home of, uh, in Europe and their 23-year-old son never came out of his room except for to eat and, uh, and then he also worked at a video game store. 
And I remember thinking 23 is actually not going on with relationships or, or really, you know, a, a meaningful vocation. But it was just all about this online gaming. Come on, I know that there's something to this. I, we've been teaching this parenting course. And, and one of the things that's so easy to do as a parent of young children is to just put the screen up. Because the screen can be a babysitter. And yet at the same time, there's something that God is really, you know, seeking to say, uh, um, don't buy in to this world of the screen. I know this is, come on. I love you. And I'm busted myself, okay? There's something that God is trying to get our attention. The average 16 to 29 year old today spends three hours a day just on social media, let alone movies or whatever, whatever else. By the way, um, one study also showed that a cert, after a certain number of hours or work hours, because did you know that the number of work hours, average workforce hours is continuously going up. It's now around 47, that's the average number of work hours that people spend in the workplace. But once we reach 50 hours a week, they say that any more hours worked actually decreases your productivity. Isn't that interesting? That once you eat, uh, hit 50 hours a week, that you will not be productive. It's like you, you lose brain energy. And here's another interesting study, that a level of joy or happiness, now it's, it is hard if you're very poor, you don't have fruit on the table, you don't have shelter, to actually experience, you know, uh, there can be anxiety with that. But they say that the, uh, the, uh, in, in America and Canada, that the, the wage at $75,000 a year, statistically, is the happiest wage earner. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to be happy if you make more than that, but my point is, is that what they're trying to say is that more, 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 more is not necessarily making happiness. It's like, that's the point. So what are we going after? accumulation, more stuff. You know what you have to do with more stuff? You have to pay for it, but you also have to maintain it. And so uh, I was sharing the story this morning of when we came down, when John and I came down in, in glory to America two years ago, we, it was crazy because it was like, I was like, either I'm going crazy, God, or this is you. Because we literally gave away pictures, uh, not, not family pictures, but I mean, you know, pictures that, and furniture and everything and came with all that we could fit in the back of a RAV4 Toyota <laughs> at the age of 53. I'm like, God, this is the craziest thing. But there was something about downsizing that actually felt freeing. Is that weird? I'm not saying y'all got to do that, by the way. Everything a bit in the back of a RAV4. But there was something that it's like God was saying, will you trust me with this reset? Will you trust me with this uh, that you, I will provide. And when I, somebody gave us free couches that were brand new, they were taking the plastic off them as they got delivered to our house that we just acquired here. And you know what? I began to weep because I just was caught again with the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. He's so good. He can be trusted even as the Sheelys will, you know, they're taking a risk. They're going into a, a new land. But when it's God, he's incredibly, incredibly faithful. Do you know that uh, this nation is the only one in the wealthy world that doesn't have a mandated federal 
paid vacation time. That's interesting because even like France, I mean, they have 30 days a year that's paid, federally mandated paid vacation time. But even then, many don't actually take their vacation time or take their work with them. And by the way, did you know that studies prove that the best vacation to take is at least two weeks? Somebody say amen. As opposed to a weekend here or there or whatever. It's just because it, it, you really actually start to relax. These are actually just some practical things. But I think the bigger picture is that God is after us to enter into the rhythms of God's grace. The rhythm of the rest. The rhythm of God, I don't want to cave in to a system that's going at this crazy astronomical pace I want to enter into the rhythm of rest. Whoa. And allow you, Lord, to do what you want to do in my heart and life. St. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. There is something to this message. So let's look at Sabbath. Sabbath means Shabbat or Shabbat is the word, root word for Sabbath, which means Cease. Stop. So what the Lord said in the fourth commandment, right in the commandments with do not steal, do not murder, and do not cut, commit adultery, is the Sabbath rest. He didn't erase it. He kept it in there. The only one of a spiritual discipline that's in the Ten Commandments. And Shabbat means stop. Stop your work. Stop your effort. Rest. In Exodus 20, God says it this way. I created the world in six days, then I rested. And I'm asking you to do the same. And then the other version, it's uh, Deuteronomy 5, where Moses is talking to them again, telling them about the Ten Commandments. He says about the Fourth Commandment. And then he adds this. He said, remember that you're a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, what, what, is, he, what is he after there? Well, in Egypt, of course, slaves didn't get a day off, for one thing. But also in Egypt, there was this accumulation, accumulation, supply cities, pyramids, more, more, more. Have you ever seen any of the movies of Egypt? Like, that's what it was. Build, build, build. And it was like God was saying, I am declaring war on that spirit. On the spirit of slavery and on the spirit of accumulation and achievement. Whoa. Busted. I would rather have a healthy relationship with my children and my husband than to have more and more and more degrees or more and more and more money. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting your degree or making a lot of money, but at what cost? I just think that there's a priority rearrangement that God is doing right now. There's a reset. He truly is causing us to be able to learn to run with the footmen so we can learn to run with the horses. Jeremiah 12, 5. There's more coming on planet Earth of both deep darkness and the glory of the Lord that will rise upon you. Church, I don't want to miss out on being a glory carrier. Somebody say amen. amen. 
I want to be a glory carrier. I know you do too. There's something that God is trying to get our attention. I want you deep. I want you in my word. I want you in my presence. I want you in the rhythm of the rest. Cease from all your effort, effort, effort. We can't do God's part. He won't do our part. Did you know that a study showed that the happiest people on earth, happiest people group on earth is the Seventh-day Adventists? It's like, what? They take Sabbath and they actually, check this out, you can look it up, they live 10 years longer than the average person. And if you took Sabbath for the average lifetime, it guess what it equates to? 10 years. The last chapter in 2 Chronicles says this. It talks about the children of Israel, that they were going to go into bondage for exactly 70 years, 7-0. Why? It gives, why? Because for 490 years, they didn't let the land rest its Sabbath rest. And the Lord says this, you're going into bondage for 70 years, quote, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. Whoa, somebody. Do you think maybe God's pretty serious about this? So in my own life, I found that last year, as God began to speak to me about this, and began to say, Patricia, I want to teach you Sabbath. And when I grew up, you know, most stores were not open on Sunday, and that's great. And by the way, just want to say this, that for like the Jewish people, Seventh-day Adventists, Sabbath is Saturday. Many Christians, Sunday. Others might be Wednesday, because that's their only day off work. I do believe that you can just work out whatever day works for you, but just the point is this, a day of cease, stop. And for me, that means no shopping or getting caught up in all the work that you didn't get done in the house because you, I mean, that's really not Sabbath. The three things I felt challenged by, and I see this scripturally, is more time with God, more time in his presence on a Sabbath day, as well as more time with family, more time of connection in relationship or friends. And the third thing, and this is what I was kind of challenged by, and I was like, what? I felt like the Lord said, get out into nature. Go and enjoy the trees and the lakes and the flowers and the birds. And yeah, come on. And you know what? I found like, whoa, this is actually, this is actually uh, soul food. You know what the Ch Japanese call it? They call it, um, they call it forest bathing. Forest bathing means you get out into the forest and there's a rest for your soul that you feel rejuvenated. And so having, and to turn off my phone, oh, that was tough for a while. Turn off the phone one day a week and turn off the computer. Don't answer emails. Don't answer anybody we say to our other kids that are remote. We say, uh, Shabbat Shalom. Well, you know, if you really want to get a hold of us, talk to your dad, who's going to turn off his phone pretty soon on a Shabbat. But anyways, <laughs> just kidding. But it is, I have found that this has caused my spirit to come alive in a new way. And I just want to say, I believe, I, I have to confess, I believe I was at least semi-addicted to my phone. It was just, you know, bling and ding and, 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 and boy, has it ever blown up lately? <laughs> about how many people text you now as opposed to sending you an email. But anyways, that's another story. So I was like, God, what am I going to do? Uh, compulsion, compulsion. 
What if that person's trying to get hold of me? You know what? It's like God said, it'll just work itself out. I will take care of you. I found that my dream life has come back or ability to just really hear God in a new way by taking this Sabbath rest. Just want to say this, that the Jewish people have got something going, by the way. I just was interviewing this gal. Her name is Nava Niebuhr. And she is a model. She's gorgeous. And she also was the sharpest shooter in the IDF. And she taught the guys how to shoot. And Nava Niebuhr was telling me about the, the Jewish way of doing Sabbath and how she said, you know, really the father, you know, we had lighting of candles and the Shabbat uh, meal. And the father goes around and blesses his wife, actually lays hands on his wife and blesses his wife. Then he lays hands on all of his children and blesses his children every Friday night, Shabbat meal. Do you think it's any wonder about how ridiculously blessed, you know, we see statistics in America, 2% of America are Jewish people, yet they're 40% of them are the wealthiest people in America, or that they're Nobel, you know, far exceed 25% of American Nobel Prize winners are Jewish? Do you think there's a connection? That there's something that we need to learn from the Judeo-Christian values, actually from the Bible? We go back to God's ways. Go back to what he's saying. That maybe we've missed it. Maybe we thought we read, oh, those Pharisees, you know. They were just so, yeah, they were. They were religious. They were relentless. But Jesus never did away with the Sabbath. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. I believe that there's healing as we take Sabbath rest. There's healing for our soul. There's healing for our spirit. There's something that God is wanting to bring us back into. Isaiah 58 also speaks of this. Three things that God you know, talks about, about that your voice may be heard and high, the facet I've chosen. Right there he puts again, Sabbath rest. Let's look at this, Hobby Lobby, five billion annual revenue. When David Green, who runs Hobby Lobby, was going to shift out of seven days a week in the market to six because he felt God saying to honor the Sabbath, everybody thought he was crazy. And he said, I don't care. I know it's God. He took Hobby Lobby out of Sundays, which was the busiest revenue day of the week. And for a short period of time, their sales dipped and then they surged such that they're the number one arts and craft industry uh, store in all of the nation. We can look at uh, Chick-fil-A, closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A, check this out, generates more revenue than any other fast food chain in the U.S. per restaurant and takes itself again out of the equation one out of seven. Somebody say wow. What does our daughter call it? God's chicken, right? God's chicken. Our son literally sent us a picture yesterday. He lives in Stratford, Canada, and he sent us a picture of Chick-fil-A being built in Kitchener, which is only half an hour away, because he's been driving for, to Toronto an hour and a half to get Chick-fil-A. Somebody go visit Chick-fil-A. There's only two of them in Canada right now. Maybe three. There's one in Calgary. So, I mean, incredible, 2,100 restaurants. McDonald's has 14,000 restaurants. Taco Bell has 6,300 restaurants. KFC is 4,000. Guess what? Uh, Chick-fil-A is second overall 
fast food chains and it only has 2,100 restaurants. That's incredible. This is, do you think maybe God is blessing them? Do you think maybe God will bless you? If you actually legitimately take the Sabbath rest and say, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do, go, be, run, 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 run. Robert Morris calls it the Sabbath deficiency syndrome. It says living without margins, less creative, less focused, less observant, less intuitive, less patient, less kind, less pers persuasive, less appealing. Your judgment is impaired and you make poor decisions and your efficiency plummets. Oh, busted. You know, we were in the lineup in, um, I was in a lineup with my daughters when we were at Christmas time in, in Kansas City. And uh, it was a really long lineup. And I'm like, hey, don't you guys think we should go into a different restaurant? And they're like, mom, the ruthless elimination of hurry. I'm like, yes, okay. Because guess what John Mark Comer advises? Check this out. Here's some advice. Drive the speed limit. That's, that's revolutionary. Um, get in the slow lane. Come to a full stop at stop signs. Don't text and drive, no brainer. Show up 10 minutes early for an appointment without your phone. Get in the longest line in the grocery store just to teach us to slow down. Um, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Whoa. You know, our daughter in Kansas City, she, uh, she's learned this a while ago. She just took, takes all of the alerts off. No, no alerts, zero. Checks it every so often whenever she feels to or whenever she can. And even when you're trying to get a hold of her, we'll wait. You know, we have to wait. It, that's incredible. It really is that you don't get bling, ding, 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 ding every moment. Bring your attention, your concentration, your contemplation back into order. Don't start your phone until after morning devotions. Kill your TV. Now that is, I know that's crazy. It seems crazy, right? Literally, I think we have not had a TV for 20 years. And um, you can think that, you know, I, with our children, you can ask them, because in some ways, I remember our daughter Zoe, she wrote an article on this, Growing Up Without a TV. And she said her, I, I'm not saying that everybody has to do this, it was just something the Lord told us. And I remember when she was asked by kids at school, like, what in the world are you doing without a TV? And she said, at first she, you know, said, Mom, it's not fair, they're watching all the shows. But then after she was 14 or so, and she wrote this article, and she said, you know, I, I have a great imagination. I go outside and I play with friends at the park, or I go and pet the horses down the street and, or down the our road. And she said, I, I feel like I was privileged to not grow up with a TV. Now, I know that's crazy, and I'm not saying you got to do that. But how about maybe turning it off a bit more? How about maybe, you know, for parents raising small kids, and uh, I just want to speak to you as a mother, I, I just feel like I know it's easier. It is easier to put the screen in front of them. I get it. It's like a babysitter. And there, there are times, you know, uh, we, we always had this van, uh, like our Odyssey van, would put a DVD player when you're traveling 12 hours and driving, and yeah, it helped. It definitely helped. But my point is that as a constant daily thing, there can develop this lack of being able to concentrate or even just contemplate or even just have a richness of relationship. I could see it in my son's eyes when he watched something, you know, on his, on the computer. It's like, he's like this glaze. Oh boy. I, you know, too much uh, time in the computer. Walk slower. Whoa. Don't multitask. 
Take a regular day for silence and solitude. Take long vacations. We mentioned that. Cook your own food and eat in more. Can I have the worship leader? Glory, is that you or somebody? Come on up, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand together. The rhythms of God's grace. I believe that there is, this message isn't necessarily comfortable and cozy, and I kind of argued with God a little bit about it, but I, I feel like the Lord is wanting to reset some things in our lives that we're going to be ready for his return with a great depth, with a great sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit. I believe that the Lord wants to heal anxiety and worry and all kinds of things that are stealing from emotions as we see our soul reset. The rhythms of God's grace. I had a dream this morning that I woke up and it was, I still have to contemplate with the Lord, but we were in an upper room, a whole bunch of us, the body of Christ, and I think the upper room spoke of, of the upper room, like prayer, but, and it was Psalm 27, it says, you know, in the dream, it was like, go and prepare a message from Psalm 27, I felt like that was what the Lord was saying to everybody. And if you look it up, Psalm 27 starts with peace, it says, I will have peace. And then David says this, one thing I ask, one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and there inquire of him. Do you know, honestly, there is a beauty in God. There is a beauty in his presence that transcends any movie, any novel, any fix of more money or toys or, there's a beauty in God. You know what? That's really living. Your spirit's alive. You know, we can be alive and breathing and exist, but, but our spirit is dead. And God's calling our spirits to come alive. Say, I want you alive, alive in me. Your spirit alive. Enter into the rhythms of God's grace. You know, there's something about, I just want to say this, that God is really good at math. He knows how much money you need. He knows how much you need to pay the bills and the mortgage and all that. But there's something about when we enter into the rhythms of God's grace, the money comes in. There's not a shortfall. God's really good at time management. When we enter into the rhythms of God's grace, He helps us do all that we need to do within the time that we have. I don't know. He's God. He can do anything. I've just seen it again and again and again. Lord, do I do this? No. Okay, I won't. Do I do this? Yes. And he just works out the time. Remember, there's been times previously when I looked at my schedule, I thought, who came up with this ridiculous schedule? And it was like, I did. That's me. God, I'm sorry. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. I, I know that there's people that this message is speaking to, and if that's you, do you mind just coming on up right now? Let's just pray. Come on, somebody. Even if it's not for you, come up because you want me to feel okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm joking. But I believe that God is, is speaking to us to get into this rhythm of His grace. And, and I know that, you know, maybe for some of you, your job isn't back to normal or, or whatever. But even when it does, things are opening up and all that. But that we don't get caught back into a rat race, a hamster wheel. Zuzzle, zuzzle, zuzzle. Go, go, go. Be, be, be. Do, do, do. 
rest. Some of the most amazing and deep and mature people in God. Do you know what? I've noticed this. They walk slow. They talk slow. And, you know, I just feel busted myself because I, I talk fast, I walk fast, I eat fast. And it's like the Lord's saying, just slow it all down. Enter into the rhythm of my grace and my rest. Lord, I ask that you would come. Maybe we could just even repent before him. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us where we've just been so consumed by, I don't know, the latest series on Netflix, you know, and, and God bless them. You know, there's time for entertainment, but where we've been so, you know, work, I gotta, gotta, gotta pay for this ginormous house and all this nice stuff that I have and I've gotta work harder and I gotta give more hours and I gotta, Lord, forgive us. Or we've been caught in a system or a culture, a race. When you just said, just enter into my grace, the rhythm of my grace, the rhythm of my grace, the rhythm of my grace. Forgive us, Lord. We repent before you. We ask for the reset. We ask for grace to be able to put the phone down, that that phone does not master me. It can serve me, but it's not to be my master. Forgive us, God. Lord, give us contemplation again. Give us revelation. We want to scale the mountain and just be with you. Know your voice. Just speak blessing to parents here right now. We bless parents. Busy, busy. I know what it's like. Bless you with grace. Bless you with rhythm of God's grace. Fire, 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 